Yep. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So this is actually a story about um, the best card trick I've ever seen, which actually was also the worst card trick that I've ever seen. Were you in Vegas or were you not, in a trailer? I was not. The, car, the card trick itself was televised. So that should tell you something right there, that somebody thought, okay, let's capture this moment forever, and they did. And I will, al- I will also back it up and, uh, and show my age a little bit and say that it, it happened during the 80s, and um, it involves things that you sort of can't find in retail environments. Who anymore. was doing magic in the 80s on TV other than David Copperfield? So, Doug Henning? Yeah. Oh, so, no, 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 that's the 70s. You're even dating yeah. yourself more. So, so the deal is the star of this uh, particular performance was Joel Hodgson, who um, listeners may know as the MST three K. MST three K. I'm such a fucking nerd. We did not even talk about that beforehand. Yeah, no, it's totally true. And so, you know, he was before he did MST three K. He was a prop comic, and he was not a prop comic in the uh, astute uh, carrot top tradition. He was a prop comic that was fucking absurd. And would do all kinds of just weird shit. And he really, like, kind of came off a little bit, like, somewhere between harmless goofball and serial killer. But more harmless goofball than anything else. And that was before MST3K ever broke and sort of he created this lasting legacy. So he was a prop comic during the 80s. And he did a bit that was uh, a card trick during a stand-up act. And... Basically, what would happen is he would take the deck of cards, he would fan it out like they do in Vegas, and he'd walk up to the front of the stage, and he would reach down to some pretty girl in the front row, and he would say, you know, the same thing, pick a card, any card. She would pick a card, he's like, show it to the audience, don't show it to me, she does that, puts it back in the deck, and he walks back up mid-stage, and he puts the entire deck of cards in the cocked arm of a Mr. Quarterback, have you ever? Do you remember? I have no idea what that is. So this is like a, you could play catch with an inanimate. Or with, with so a Mr. Quarterback was in the seventies and, yeah. and the eighties was a was a thing where yeah they had like a, it had like a plastic football and it had like a little metal arm and it was like this little sort of you know small like it was about a foot tall and a foot wide and uh, like the base was heavy enough to hold this. Plastic I would football. love it if there were a, a foot tall quarterback in the NFL. <laughs> by the way, <laughs> Doug Flutie. Anyway, so like. So, so the deal was he would go back and you would crank the arm back and the, and the deal was that kids would run out for passes and it would throw you passes and, and so it was like you kids could play. with absentee fathers basically yeah, exactly <laughs> yeah for all the Mister Quarterback for all the latchkey kids in the neighborhood but anyway so Joel Hodgson's Daddy Quarterback idea of a card trick was to go up to the front of the row get somebody to pick a card not show it to him put it in the thing he would walk up to the th- to the middle of the stage and then he uh, turns around and he puts the entire deck of cards in the cocked arm of a Mr. Quarterback, which sounded like, <laughs> like it just made this enormous crank sound, and you had to, like, put it in place. And then he walked, like, three or four or five feet and turned around, and the entire deck of cards went, funk, and they just fanned out uh, over a span of about 15 yards, and he just grabbed as many of them out of <laughs> the air as he could, and he just started shaking them in his hand until there was only one card left. And then he turned around, and he looked at the girl, and he goes, is this your card? And she's like, no. <laughs> and then, and then he He's crying. Kevin's then, crying right now telling this story. he slowly turns around and looks at the entire rest of the stage. And that's the whole bit. Was that like there was? It was virtually impossible for him to get her card right. But it was an amazing trick. And um, Penn and Teller, if you're listening, all I'm saying is that's the guy you need to talk to. <laughs> I'm Shane Bartell. This is Ryan Newsom and Kevin Newsom. Hello, hello. What, what's the name of the show, Ryan? It's called Somebody Likes It. Somebody likes it. Uh, once again, uh, Ryan Newsom here with uh, my proper Kevin. Hello. And my friend Shane. Uh, also, hello. Uh, or, or should I say hello? Hello. Also, hello. Uh, at any rate, uh, this week we will be discussing the 
relative merits of uh, one record uh, one or two of you may have encountered at some point in your Very few, I would imagine. Yes. Uh, it's it's uh, called Rumors, and it's by a band called Fleetwood Mac. Um, oh, the dude with the beard. The dude with the beard. The, the, the band with the people who did the things, you know, and the they... Anyhow, the gypsy uh, lady, <coughs> the gypsy lady, uh, the warring couples, uh, the what have you. But anyway, figured we'd uh, go ahead and start things off uh, just by jump diving right into the first track on the record. A little something I like to call secondhand news. Let's do it. This is secondhand news. Footloose Part Two. It's Kenny Loggins. Well, technically, it would have been Part One or the pre- well, the I mean, prequel. at the time. But I mean, if, yes. you, if you didn't know, if you had never heard that song before, it's as corn pone as Footloose, Footloose. Marp, be, marp, marp, let me do my stuff. It would be Premi Loggins. Premi Loggins. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Well, whatever it is, it should be like a like a cover band, small kids. But See, anyway, this is I had the I had my whole myth. Okay, <laughs> for me, and so I've been wanting to tell you this for the last couple of days. List, actually, sitting down and listening to this album has destroyed my myth of who Lindsey Buckingham was because I've always thought this album, and I've never really listened to it that much, and I didn't ever really know what what it really was. All I knew was Bill Clinton and Al Gore walking on stage, don't stop. Well, yeah, and that that song is ruined for me. Oh, it's not a song anymore. It's Bill Clinton, like, awkwardly dancing with Hillary Clinton. Yes. And then there's some other stuff on there. There's some good songs, but I've always... I've always held in the back of my mind that this album was was this this beautiful push and pull because Lindsey Buckingham um, was... um, There was a push and pull between the two of them, Stevie Nicks and Lindsey Buckingham... And he was the foil to her songs, and then she was the foil to his songs. And and, and, and I always like thought that it was going to be this beautiful thing. And then I'd listen to the album, and other than Dreams and You Can Go Your Own Way, these incredibly acerbic, beautiful, like there's just all of this hatred and loveliness in these songs. The songs are that, that he wrote are kind of corn pone. Well, this like, is never guy, going back again. You know, this is the guy that did the vacation theme song. Oh no, Holiday I know, Road. I know, like, but th- but this album in particular, I I thought I had I I saw this like this bilinear thing where Stevie Nicks and and Lindsey Buckingham they had a relationship they they joined a successful band they had one of the most successful albums of all time they hated each other they or prior to having the most successful album they wrote these songs about how they hated each other and i thought that there was going to be all of this weighty stuff and really it was like one beautiful song by each of them and then a lot of cornpone songs and uh might as well put a fucking banjo on them and um and then one like great stevie nick song at at the very end of it uh gold dust woman shane i kind of like this song with you yeah, Sorry, like, man. Uh, that's the way I feel about it. Like, I, I was uh, shocked. And granted, it sounds like Kenny Loggins. Well, and granted, I'm not listening to the lyrical content, really. It what, doesn't matter the lyrical content. Well, okay. Well, he, what I liked about it is how it kind of uh, fades in and, like, comes up to speed. And, oh, like, this particular it, song? Yeah. Oh, like, my God. Are you kidding me? No, I'm going gonna, gonna to drop the mic on the floor and walk out of here defending this song. That part's kind of silly. But it's all silly. This is something we're probably never going to get away from, um, especially if, we, if we're if we dealing with records that, that the three of us are coming to with uh, like varying perspectives that have been out on the public marketplace for a while. And this is one that certainly like did not – no one could say it never got its time in the sun. This came out 37 years ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I mean, this is like this. If this, if this record were a, you know, a skeevy California guy, it would be buying beer for uh, younger records. 
Look, so, like, I'm not saying like, that the songs aren't aren't well written. They are well written. But what I expected when I came to it, having not having never listened to the whole thing from start to finish, what I expected was to hear this beautiful stormy relationship falling apart. Instead of what I what I got was a lot of like guitar picking, finger picking, and like did a little. Well, the narrative about this record, which I probably knew more than the record itself. Uh, prior to, I guess recent, I did too. Recently, sure. was just, you know, really, yeah. it was about all these relationships coming together and everybody having sex with everybody else, and like everybody hates each other, but somehow they come out with this like cohesive u- unit of work that sold like a billion copies. A little bit of hyperbole there. Yeah, well, that's uh, not quite a billion. And yeah. I mean, it's worth mentioning one of the things that I read about this record in particular that really stuck with me, and it's kind of buried in like I. I read a little bit, and um, this was buried in probably the fourth or fifth thing that I read on rumors, and that was that they canceled an entire year's worth of sold-out shows to remaster this record before it was released. So they had already at the like, time at the time. So based upon the success of based upon the success of the what they called the, their white album, like the mm-hmm. the first Fleetwood Mac record, which had Rhiannon on it and like a number of other things, like iconic Fleetwood Mac songs, that was already, at the time, the greatest-selling record in, in Warner Brothers history. And and that was when this thing was ramping, and they were ready to go public. And so I'm sure that, like, you know, basically the the one of the pieces that I read said, like, they had – they just – they had something that a lot of bands don't have, which is they got dicking around time from the label because their current record was doing so well <laughs> that this one – they, they had they all this time to, to like just go behave they, badly. They canceled a year's worth of shows in between all the strife and like whatever. You know, and you're right about like we can go back to what you were saying before about how every song on this this album is is a single. It is. I'm not saying that these songs are not well written. I mean, God knows there's a lot of extremely well written songs that make me want to puke. None of these songs do, by the way, but. All I'm saying is, and I'll, before I get off of of this stuff, um, I I I wanted to hear a little more of the drama that I had. Well, okay, let's put it this way: the, the has anybody seen the cover of Rumors? And we, we'll put this up. Uh, we'll put this up on the website we'll, uh, so everybody yeah, can sure. reference this. We all have, and that's so, one of the reasons. Uh, that sort of Ren Faire imagery has do, kept do, me away do, from. Do, 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 yeah, me lady. Oh yes, yes thank yes, you, Kevin. It's a, yes, it's a real okay. Jethro Tull kind of uh, like silly, like Ren Faire turkey leg. Well, well, there's a no, but I love how the, his ponytail is in perfect symmetry, and his foot is on a cushion. Here's something that I never recognized about this record until I read up on one of the. Like sort of explorations on it, and it's that, well, there, here, like, it's like Fleetwood's got some sort of. Like, he's holding up the record, by the way. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, it's um, he's got some sort of like. There's like a truck nut situation going on. <laughs> you know, I never <laughs> noticed. <laughs> proto proto. Truck Wait, what is truck that? Nuts. Well, apparently they're not. Well, it's, yeah, they're not. There, they were something that. How he, did we never notice that? I never noticed it, but now that I have read it once, I'll never. It'll be able never to go away. Same way again. again. Okay, we're deaf. Oh shit! Sorry. Oh, that's all right. Uh, no, so, that's what happens. Anyway, um, yeah. So I have my own theory on this record, which is, um, it's this photo, which floated around around the time that this record came out, and it's kind of bopped around. Well, describe what we're seeing here. What we're seeing is. Um, a Fleetwood Mac photo that was we'll taken. We'll put this up on, on, on the web, too. Yeah, it was taken about the time that um, around the release of Rumors, and it shows all of the members of the band in the same bed in varying directions, and none of them are coupled with the people that they were coupled with. And they all appear to be having, I don't know, a reasonably decent a better time. time than they would have. Like with they're like enjoying postcoital cigarettes or something. Kind but, of, um, yeah, kind of, and it's like, and it's super awkward and and a little rock star at the same time. And I just assumed after I'd seen this picture, I was like, well, no wonder that record came out, and no wonder everybody was mad at each other. Like nobody's getting a good night's sleep. So it's like, that's, <laughs> that's, my, that's, that's a good my, point. That's my thought. It's like you got, you have to. I don't want to be your mom, but you have to get a good uh, night's sleep to put out uh, pop records in the seventies. So if you could go back to the seventies and do that. 
that would be great. Oh, you, I love how you're staring at Ryan when you say that. Like, Ryan, can you go back to the 70s and, <laughs> and make something? Like, yes. like, well, I would be five, but okay, whatever. Which I was Dude, that would probably be the out. best <laughs> fucking album I've ever heard from the 70s. Ryan, banging on pots and pans. <laughs> I am Ryan. Actually, I do, so I do want to share one thing. So you guys know that I typically, like, dig up or do a little bit of review research on, like, sort of what's come out. Yes. And there – and. The good thing about Rolling Stone is those guys are like they those original reviews are typically available, but frankly, the original review of this record is pretty terrible, and I think comes off a little bit like a. Sort Did of he say it was corn pone and sounds like uh, Longest in Messina? No, um, no, and well, and it's not at the it's not the top of my stack, so I will get to it in a minute. But I, well, that was my lead in to say that that I think that the review that I and it was a retroactive review much like pitchfork did it was pitchfork and it's kind of much like what they did with um uh neutral milk hotel where they oh, yeah, right, they right, went right. back yeah, and went they back got reissued and, and they're like oh all of a sudden the passage like of time five. yeah totally so but um but i did think that there were like clearly they recognized that this was a record that affected some folks and there i thought there were some things in the way that they put this together that were kind of interesting and i just want to share I would like to share a passage with you today. So, thank you, is, brother Kevin. This is this is from the Pitchfork <laughs> review. Um, okay, so of rumors, they said it was a bellwether of glimmering Californian possibility, the permissiveness and entitlement of the '70s, done up in heavy harmonies. By the time it was made, the personal freedoms endowed by the social upheaval of the '60s had unspooled into unfettered hedonism. Basically what that means is that people didn't know that Coke was bad for you, but okay. <laughs> um, as such, it plays like a reaping, a finely polished post-hippie fallout, unaware that the twilight hour of the free love era was, fix, uh, was, uh, was fixing, and there would be no going back. In 1976, there was no knowledge of age. They make a political statement, which I'll leave out, and then they uh, said something about um, – well, people still thought of cocaine as non-addictive and uh, strictly recreational product of that moment, and it serves as a yardstick uh, by which we measure just how 70s the 70s were. So I guess that's what I'm – maybe that leads me to ask this question. It's like how shag carpet does that record sound to you? Can you see me, like, putting my hand up as though I'm like, yes, teach. Can I say something? Let's go, please. That's exactly what I was saying a minute ago. Like, I had a completely preconceived notion of what this record was going to be based on the songs that I had heard before. But listening to them in context, and that's why, I mean, I know I, I was saying earlier about how, like, there, it, there was so much corn phone going on, but those songs really are brilliant. But the thing is, is that what he's saying in that review is not true in the context of the entire record. Um, it's maybe half that way and half not that way, but even the stuff, you know what? Okay. Actually, let me rephrase that. <laughs> I guess what I mean is it doesn't sound that when I, when I, when I want like a, like a break, like a hedonism seventies or post hedonism seventies, um, audio document i guess i want something that doesn't sound like i want something that sounds like it's crumbling not like never going back in fact well, can we listen to never going back again yeah and let me let me say one thing about sure. never going back again before we get into it um i at some point heard this on like kjsr or something and it sounds like it should be on pbs uh it does and it does have a little bit of a sort of um going back to it, sort of Renaissance Fair kind of thing to it, but it's a really infectious melody. No, it's brilliant. All Every song on this album is brilliant. I mean, there's no denying that. But what ha what actually happened was I had somehow blocked out all the lyrics, and I just had this ridiculously infectious guitar melody stuck in my head for like a week. Uh, and I finally, finally like just went away. And then... You know, just by screwing around on the internet, or, or finally hearing it on the radio with it, you know the lyrics in it and somebody saying, and this is like two years later. I'm like, oh, that's that song, and so I basically just walked around with this, you know, detached melody in my head for a while, a long time. 
I'm going to have to say this real quick. Like, we haven't talked about this. Before he plays, I want to play this song, but I was thinking about this today. The The first time that I ever really became a, aware of Fleetwood Mac was in the 80s with Dreams, which is on a completely different album. And, it's actually um, on this album. No, you're I mean, I'm sorry, not Dreams. Um, um, that's not what I meant. That's the I, I, totally Mirage, wrong song. Is that what you're talking about? No, no, no. Um, Mirage was the record, but they had a song called Hold Me, which got... No, it was it was the it was the record after that, but I haven't done any research into it. Um, it wasn't hold me; it was the one after that. But anyway, this is ridiculous. Oh, now it's sounding like like a total if dick. It's Gypsy that I have. We should talk. No, about that's it. even prior to that. No, uh, after this song, I'll be able to tell you what this. I have to think about it for a second. Okay. But so the first time that I ever really became aware of Fleetwood Mac, because let me, when I was in junior high, I was really into metal. And um, and Megadeth was my favorite band, and I remember reading an, an article um, by Dave Mustaine, who was the singer of Megadeth, probably when I was in seventh or eighth grade, and he was talking shit about Fleetwood Mac. So immediately went in my head like, "Fuck that band!" And so it took me twenty years before I was I was on tour, um, and in the mountains of of California and I like to put on the radio when I'm driving around because a lot of times you get like crazy if you're if you're in small towns like in Utah, California, and Nevada, sometimes you get like really crazy people that say really crazy interesting things on local radio. So I was just like hitting the radio and that song Dreams came on and then it came on again and I had never listened to it before and I was like you are so wrong, Dave Mustaine, person I haven't listened to since I was 13 years old. I'm just uh, so surprised that guy can put together a whole He's a Republican. So, uh, yeah, he's become yeah, a Republican. Yeah. Yes. Good yeah. times. Yeah, I know. It always is. So okay. What's the song that we're supposed to cut to? Never Going Back never Again. Never Going Back Again. I think we should go back. Let's go back to Never Going Back No, we're again. never going back. We're never going to go back. Ever. All right. Never again. Going Back Again. You don't know what it means to win. concert, uh, which I think you said was VH1. For some reason, I was thinking it was PBS, but either way, this was in the aughts. Well, um, they, they, my understanding is, and I forget, and they reformed to do the, the Clinton thing, mm-hmm. the inaugural thing. But then they did that tour. Sure. But, but you're telling me. They did something, yeah, they did something much more recent. You know, still a decade or so past, but but more recent than that. And I know that because I was visiting our parents. Uh, I believe this would have been out in Wimberley, uh, post Fort Wayne. This is Wimberley, a small town, a small town near Austin, about forty-five minutes away. Central Texas, kind of quirky, but uh, yeah. But the important thing is where our parents have retired, and evidently my father just quit listening to music like the second. My brother was born because he, he really just doesn't know a whole lot about anything that's happened in a while. And one of the reasons I know that is because I'm out there chatting with them and having a glass of wine or whatever. And he says, you know, son, I know that you, that you like the music. I'm paraphrasing, but you know that you like the music. I, I would love it if he spoke that. Son. It's not that far off. Um, and with I, his I'd hand been, on your shoulder? Been, yes. I've been, been working. I'm familiar with I, your musical tastes. I, or at least that in, you like some of them. I had been working in music a little bit at that point, and uh, I, I really feel like he was trying to make a connection, and God love him for that. But he says, uh, son, have you heard of this Fleetwood Mac? <laughs> and this was, I mean, easily 2002 at the earliest, uh, maybe 2004. And I'm like, uh, yeah, Dad, they were, like, the biggest thing on the planet, like, 25 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I saw them play a, a concert on TV, and it was it was just terrific. <laughs> well, 
And if you can't, if you can't, have you seen this Elvis kid? He (laughs) shakes. In fact, I bought a clock and it from side to side. It shakes for every time. But I do think more his era. And and God uh, crying out loud. God knows I've. I've tweaked our parents as much as anybody. I do think that it's tweaked with your parents. So I, have I you have co-opted? Tweaked, like I have teased or tweaked our parents as much as anybody. One thing that I do think that is like probably pretty consistent is, and this re- record reminds me a lot of that is that you sort of you connect with the things that you connect with, and you remember those forever. And for our dad, it's Buddy Holly, like. Oh, yeah. Or the Big Bopper or any people that went down that plane. Gary Yeah, kind of. Yeah, kind of. Like, like, that's his genre. Yeah. Very much. I'll be here all week. Exactly. Yeah. Um, um, and, well, and that actually leads me to something that, that was kind of my major takeaway uh, as I listened to this record over the last couple of weeks, is that the record hasn't changed. I have. Like, when it came out... That's fair. I was much too young to really know what it was, and it was just sort of out there in the ether, and I'd hear songs from Casey Kasem's Top 40 or whatever the hell. And then over the years, you know, I'd, I'd started to know a little bit more about what it was. And by the time that I was kind of old enough and really into music, I thought it was much too cool for it. You know, so by the time that Dad said that to me, I probably would have been, you know, I would have been, you know late 20s or something, I guess. On your way back around. But, but yeah, but there was a time when I, I thought I was just too cool for anything that came out in the 70s that might be considered, quote-unquote, dinosaur rock or, you know, had, had God forbid, been number one for many, many weeks. You know, like, you know, I was into underground music. And, um, you know, I had fierce integrity and, and all this. And, like, as I got older, I just don't give a shit. Like, a good record's a good record. And this is one, despite well, you the don't fact need it that... Um, <laughs> anyhow, but no, I think that, that, you know, I'm, I'll admit it, I'm 41 now. Like, I appreciate this a hell of a lot more than I would have 20 years ago. We're going to totally diverge here, man. I expected to come to this at knowing, having two songs that I love dearly in my mind that I, I recently came to, expecting... This album, again, like I said before, I don't want to totally fucking trash it and disparage it in any way because the songs are brilliant on it. But I don't want to listen to those. It's just like I don't want to go to some small apostolic church in the middle of nowhere and listen to them sing white gospel songs. I mean, it's the same kind of feeling. Like I'm sure that stuff is brilliant. It's brilliant in and of itself, but I have no desire to listen to it. But isn't that, like, to some extent, like, kind of the prison of, of, like, expectation? Like, you you know what people expect you to think of it, and so, like, by virtue of the fact that you are adventurous in your taste, even if you have a pop sensibility, you're adventurous in your taste, so you sort of tend, like, this is my guess, my guess. No, that's a good, like, that, that's that a maybe you rebel a little bit against no, that, something that's a, that you think that you should be expected to like. That's a good statement, but I, uh, but I, I look at it in on, an almost backward way in that um, I had I had less expectation because I of what the songs would be than I would have had I known that I had le- less expectation of how I was going to come to it because I I in my I had settled in my mind that these songs were were hit songs they were brilliant songs and so i'm going to come at them with with honest eyes and i was i realized two different things and the, and and i've and i've stated this all along tonight and and one of them was these songs are brilliant pop songs but i guess I guess you're kind of right in a certain way. I, I was let down, not in the sense that they that they weren't good songs, that I didn't want to hear them. I guess that I expected a sense of drama um, that I didn't get. So in that sense, you're right. You were definitely correct about that. But having said that, there's still no excuse for the goddamn <laughs> – <laughs> He's never gonna get past it. Yeah, that's no, okay. I can't. Oh, yeah. well, and that's okay too. I do think uh, maybe it's maybe it's worth saying out loud too. Like what? What would be if we had? I mean, it's a this is a record that, admittedly, I mean, we talked about it that 
they intended to swing for the fences with every track. So like, and they connected like, like, with that. Well, well maybe. They, well, I don't. Not, they didn't connect with me, but I think they connected. Well, it's it's difficult. At, like even even selling as many records you did. Like nobody bats a thousand, right? Like they did not bat but, a thousand. At least not to, in my book, but. They they had a higher batting average than anybody else in the league that sure. year. Sure. Well, and and to you, well, Pat, to get past the baseball metaphor, here's what I'm actually really asking, which is, if you had to pick your one song off this record, that was the one that you could listen to over and over again and be okay with, what would it be? Which one? And we'll start with you, Shane. Dreams, without a doubt, I and mean, it's one of the best pot songs I've ever heard in my entire life, and that's what set me up for high expectations. Yeah. I think for this for this record. Well, and dreams is dreams is uh, dreams is, isn't dreams the one. It's heartbreaking. Every time I I've heard it a million times. Well, okay, that's to to we paraphrase something your Ryan, your brother, account. said earlier. That's perhaps hyperbole, but I've 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 heard it multiple times. Many many to, many, enough, many many times enough where it's wrote. Yes. Yeah. But it never feels wrote. But dreams for you is the one that that's you. That's where you hang your head. Without a doubt. Yeah. Bread. I really just want to put Lindsey Buckingham on a loop going If I'm being honest, uh, I'd have to say the chain um, would be, you know, I think the most fully realized thing on this record. But the fact is, like, I can go back and listen to half a dozen songs on this record and really dig them, including secondhand news. That's I, insane. I, I hope we can yep. still be friends. Yep. We can still be friends, but I will never, ever, ever be able to forget. I will go home tonight, close my eyes, and there will be a little... Gnash your teeth. <laughs> right when I fall asleep, I'll see you, like, holding up, <laughs> like, a poster board. <sighs> <laughs> yeah. The Chain is also my favorite song on this record. It's probably my favorite Fleetwood It's a Mac good song. song. Period. Like, period. Like, it's got... it. The funny thing is, it's like it expands in a sort of jam bandy way eventually, but not to the point where you expect a sort of twenty-seven minute uh, bass solo. Well, there's a lot of like melody when it expands yeah, into that jam bandy. I mean, they do jam, but I, I don't. I think there's. I, I'll take. Purpose. There's still enough. I'll structure. take a little bit of issue. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's a difference between jam band and jamming. Um, you know, one only has to look to. To jazz. Oh, by the way, I got some jazz records coming down your way soon, yeah, guys. Kevin will like that. Yeah, no, I'm I'm into it. But there's a, there's a big difference between a jam band and, and jamming on a on a motif, as it were. Um, but clearly the song works. Like, oh yeah, it's brilliant. You know, so if I have to pick another one other than the chain, um, you know, like I gotta say, and even though um, it, Shane's gonna cry tears all over. Me, Maybe the console. Um, I think "You Make Love and Fun" is actually a pretty interesting song. Like Christine McVie, in a weird way. Like, so I will, I'll tell you this before I get into this song, which is that that her my my take on her just from only she's from the what mystery read, woman. Well, well, yeah, only from what I've read is that like she's reclusive, and like a lot of what you read about her is that John McVie. When they were divorcing, and maybe before, was like kind of a super jackass when he was drunk, and so she sort of lived in fear a lot. But there's a lot of those, and then and then how they sort of like they communicated like the how the different folks in that band communicated to each other what, like through writing songs, and she was part of that. Yeah. He didn't write songs, and so there's that sort of whole like she wrote songs on his behalf. While being pissed at him and loving him, and, well, anyway, and, and I just I, thought it was really I, interesting. I, I like. I, I don't know as much about the inner band dynamic. I just know that there was a lot of strife, and I do think that we should listen to some of that. But yeah, my, I think my, we my, should. My comment to me, as Christine McVie musically, she has sort of a otherworldly but still easy listening kind of voice. Agreed. Great hook writer. Same Total thing. Would you make love and fun? Like I. Do not like this song. I would never want to listen to it. The content's a little lightweight, um, but the the, sure. the melody, the hooks in it are crazy good. Like if it, like the st- it almost it's almost like if you listen to the like I'm not gonna sing it out loud, but it's like it, it, in my head it it seems like there's like bubble like it's boiling like little bubbles are popping up mm-hmm. somewhere. If like the way she does it, with like this little ascending crescendo thing with her voice, it's brilliant. Yeah, I we should totally talk about it, but let's listen to it first. Let's okay. do it. Okay. Oh, 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 oh. 
I see her wearing a teal pantsuit, but I mean, you know, you could I was be very young. specific recreation. Well, I just noticed, by the way, we're, we're doing as we're talking. The, the word "rebel" is facing me back from your uh, top of yeah, the fridge. Lest it's, you, uh, lest you all think that I uh, live in the sort of 1960s. That's a Canon Rebel camera case. It's not it's a Confederate a, flag. It is not a Confederate flag. <laughs> <laughs> but it could probably f- take a photo of a Confederate flag. I'll if bet you it could. One. I got drunk uh, a few days ago, and like, Lord, imagine that. And I fell down the wormhole of looking up my favorite shows from when I was three and four and five years old. So I got to read the Wikipedia page of the Dukes of Hazard, the A Team. Something you couldn't have done when you were three or four. No, but I did enjoy the. Well, I wasn't okay. I was not that you were a strong reader. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying there was a Wikipedia. Were you saying earlier? Were you making fun of? Were you mocking my reading ability earlier today? By the way, it's probably only. He could have been passed a note in school by by, by Jimmy Wales (laughs) describing Dukes of Hazard. Wait, is Jimmy (laughs) Wales a? Wasn't he a? uh, he was the founder of Wikipedia. He was. He was the founder. Oh, of Wikipedia. sorry. I thought Actually, I, when you said I thought he was <laughs> maybe a reggae progenitor. It does oh, sound like oh a yeah. Here's a note about Dukes of Hazard. Oh yeah. It's like okay. Let's had a car. Anyway, that was not it. Anyway, all right. Back back to tell tell your story because I I I want to I have well that makes me think about something that I want to ask Ryan but. Which, which, which well, story? I think he was referring to you having an image of Bill. Oh, Bill, Bill Clinton. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that's the, that's kind of like my whole take on this album. I mean, when I first started, when Ryan first proposed this, I I, I remember distinctly sitting here and thinking, "Wow, this is going to be a really difficult listen for me," because you know all these songs and you know the story and the story is so much more famous than even the songs are of of, of Lindsey Buckingham and Stevie Nicks, you know, splitting up, blah, blah, blah. We, or at we least talked to about our generation earlier. it is, you know, if we'd, be, if we'd been, you know, above the age of the target market of this record when it came out, we might know the songs better than the story, but I digress. Or at least you'd have, like, I don't necessarily know that that's the case. I mean, a lot of, I mean, a lot of people know, it's the same thing with the Doors or Jimi Hendrix or or Kurt Cobain. I mean, mm-hmm. these people, these they're very larger than life figures. Right, exactly. Yeah, music. yeah, yeah. One, so, so one of the things that I pulled on this record, you guys, was the uh, enemy uh, take on rumors. New Musical Express. Yes, the from the seventies or from England. No, I so yeah. <laughs> I love how you shook your head at me from England. You like the seventies, like the seventies is a place. No idiot. <laughs> Maybe for Mike Myers, but um, but yes, but from the well, I and actually I, I do think that um, in fairness, this was a retrospective that was written a few years ago, so it's not. In know, fairness to me, thank you very much in, for your in, apology. In, it is accepted. Well, I was, I was uh, really apologizing to the seventies, but still, oh, all right. Um, one of the things that they they did just you know they did one of these it's not uh, exactly as uh, terrible as a BuzzFeed list but they did it they just put together a few bullet points on this record that I thought were really interesting and one of them was that uh, yeah we talked about the fact that this did 31 weeks on the U.S. chart uh, at number one and uh, apparently in the U.K. it uh, it it topped the charts. But it did it for one week. It was like a one, one week. That's so, kind of crazy. Yeah, and then uh, and then the guy who wrote the piece uh, just said, "Take a, a hard look at yourselves." Presumably to the people who are reading the article in the UK. Because 
I did that like after you got this he, wrong consumers. I, yeah, well, I did it after I read this, and I was like, well, it's just me. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I don't even live there. Yeah. <laughs> like, is your email? Wait, wait! I don't even understand what that means, though. Take a hard look at yourselves, well, like I, I, because you didn't make it on the. I think I I think he was calling out uh, Brit for not being in in step, but but again, like just like we've talked about tonight, like no flavor is the same for everybody necessarily. So that's true. Yeah, in between segments here, we we we. I'm not going to say we almost got in a fist fight, but I got called out by the Newsom brothers. That would, that would be inaccurate if you did say that. <laughs> it, it would be inaccurate to say that we got in a fist fight. But I did get called out by both of you guys for not fully appreciating the pop genius of this album. Well, I, I would, would you say that as a fair statement? I'd say that as a fair statement. You especially called me out. That you're like the pop dude. Well, and and you have you have a keen pop sensibility in the in the stuff that. Yeah, you but when Johnny came marching home again as a pop song, if you think about it that way, it's like. Here's an aside that also came from the same piece that I think is at least worth saying out loud. That's kind of interesting. Um, so everybody's talked about the fact that. The McVees were splitting, and that Lindsey Buckingham and. By the way, as you as you're waving that around, all I can see is his truck truck nuts. I never noticed that before. Yeah, that's all I can see now. Super sorry, every world. Anyway, yeah, you're not Nick Fleetwood. Don't apologize. I know. Well, right. Yeah. Yeah, but now you can't unsee it. It's the only thing you can see. It's true. They might as well put them in neon. Anyway, uh, but I do think this is this part is really interesting, which is that so everybody's going through divorces, and that's been the big story about that record. Part of it was uh, Nick Fleetwood was divorcing the sister of the girl who uh, was married to George Harrison that Eric Clapton stole. Patty. Yeah, she was a Boyd sister. So the Boyd sisters were both involved in big band controversies. Like, can you imagine? Like, like that's got to be weird old lady chatter. Yeah. Um, you reminded me of something that I've been wanting to bring up about this record is old how lady chatter. That too, but we'll get to that. Um, Have you seen Kevin <laughs> lately? Old lady chowder. Uh, <laughs> I was wanting to talk about, but no. I, and one of the things that I found. Not necessarily alarming, but just you don't see it. A band that's named for its drummer that has three lead singers and everybody pretty much writes songs and they all fuck. <laughs> like, okay, now I'm going to have to go in the corner and cough. That's going to make me laugh a lot. I'm, so, I'll be back oh, in a second. And I found the. I, I found the. So I found the. Uh, part, pardon the distant hacking, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Turn on a weed whacker. I think I got hit with a piece of lung. Yeah. <coughs> okay. I got it okay. Oh anyway, here's so you might just no. I am not on, 75 years old. Sit on the edge of that chair because it says here, the balls proudly hanging between Fleetwood's legs on the cover <laughs> were already a staple of his stage getup, and were in fact toilet change half inch from a club. That uh, Fleetwood Mac played in their formative years. Wait, so that's not just. It wasn't that he like intentionally put them there. Like, so you've been holding out on me this whole time. Well, no, I just hadn't gotten to that page yet. But yeah, like maybe a little. They were toilet chains. They were toilet chains. They weren't full blown truck nuts. That just happens to be what they look like in the NASCAR style. You realize that there's like, there's somebody out there who's probably a millionaire who invented truck nuts. Oh, yeah. No, no, Beyond guy's, a millionaire. Are you kidding on, me? Yeah. Multi, multi-millionaire. Yeah. Um, somebody woke up one day and said, I've you know what? Got the- it. Eureka. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what? My truck it looks missing, big. It's missing something. It looks big. It looks strong. It sounds strong. stands tall. So I need to let everybody know it's gender. As quickly as possible. So he went inside. He got a balloon. Actually, probably got a whoopee cushion. Mm-hmm. And he carved it out. Of, because, I mean, who wouldn't carve truck nuts out of a whoopee cushion? Carved it out of a whoopee cushion. Stuck it on the back of his truck. Put some 
rocks in it. Well, I mean, here, and we, I don't think we should. We could delve as far down this rabbit Truck hole nuts? as you want. Uh, but I do think it's kind of interesting that, like, you know, it's the old thing about, like, uh, like from The Jerk, where it's like most most men name things she. Like, but if you put truck nuts on your on your jacked up uh, your truck, like, it's kind of hard to say, well, me and Lucille are going to the store. Well, well, I'll tell you something about that. Most of those guys, they don't like. Oh, God. What, all right. <laughs> all right. So, moving on. <laughs> um, I'm just going to tell you how it goes. I'm just going to tell you how it is down here, son. Oh, here, one other thing. The, uh, anybody want to guess what the album's original working title was? Cat Poo? <laughs> Cat Poo. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. Yes. That's that's as far that's that's what you're saying. That's as yeah. far as you're going. No. Yeah. What what was the I will say that I'll the, say uh, little little lemonade stand. The I will uh, and we won't go down much longer on this rabbit hole, but I will say that it is a it is a chorus refrain from one of the songs that's not a song anymore. Oh. Well. Let the sunshine. Yeah. Let the sunshine. Nope. Hey Jude. Anyway, it's yesterday's gone. It was. They were going to call it "Yesterday's Gone." Uh, well, "Yesterday's Gone" is "Don't Stop Thinking About Tomorrow." I know, now I have to think about Bill Clinton dancing I know. with no rhythm. It's a never-ending feedback loop. Yeah. So, at any rate, though, like, interesting. You read about that stuff from a British perspective, and um, they're mean. I was reading. Yeah, I was reading some mean. stuff about Led Zeppelin recently, and I'm I'm not the biggest Led Zeppelin lover in the whole world. God knows I'm not. Um, but there are some there's some things that you can enjoy and like at Boom Fact. Hey, they you, stole some really good songs. They stole a lot of really good songs and made, but they but you the they had an amazing band. That band that band musically was yes. amazing. But yes, were they incredibly racist and incredibly misogynist, yes, all of the above. They stole mm-hmm. so many things and credited nobody. But having said that, nobody in America like them. None of the critics, like all of these big critics were like Rolling Stone and Cream and whatever. Oh, yeah, they, if you read the the old uh, reviews of the but early in Led England, Zeppelin they records. did, and they don't like them in England. They don't like bands in England. Nobody likes bands, but they liked Led Zeppelin. It was this crazy flip side. All right. Seems like maybe something we could talk about if we... Oh, if we talked about a Led Zeppelin record? Yeah, okay. Take on a Led Zeppelin record? That's a good point. <laughs> but I do think but I do think it but to Ryan's point, like I do think it's interesting. You know, part of the part of the dynamic of this band was that, you know, Christine and John McVie were there and Mick Fleetwood was there and they'd had some you know, they had they'd tried on they moved from England to LA. They there was an American League guitarist who sort of had them playing Did you just say American League? An American like, Lead. Oh, I thought you said America. I thought you were like yeah, accidentally Thur- throwing baseball Munson. stuff in there. Um. Yeah, no. <laughs> anyway, yeah, there was a there was a lead guitarist who was uh, who was American. Uh, now he's not American. He's not anything else either. But anyway, um, <laughs> what, wait, what is what is that? He's, is he's he no longer extant. He's he's an, he's, he's, he's an ex parrot. So like yeah. Anyway, he's not living. I anyway, Ryan Ryan just looked at me with wide eyes. Mouthing, what? Yeah, ex parrot. Ex parrot. It's a it's a Monty Python bit. We're going oh. Brits. Oh, like he's he's six he's feet dead. under. Yeah, he's dead. Yeah, okay. he I get that. He's no longer there extant. A, there, but there was well, God there rest was, his soul. I don't know who you're talking about, was, but his name yeah. was John. But I loved him. Mm-hmm. And he was a he was the when they moved to the states, they thought that um, getting an American guitarist would help them. Connect oh with right, I know what you're talking about. And so at that point they did that, and then uh, that guy, you know, th- one of the interesting things that I read about Fleetwood Mac was they had a habit of bringing people on without really auditioning them, which is frankly it's fucking amazing that they managed to succeed the way that they did, because they just kind of flew by the seat of their pants. They'll ask backwards into giant international several stardom. times they a did, lot. yeah, yeah. A and they lot. were not. They were relatively – they were very successful before the golden era. But they were mm-hmm. but they were like sort of an English bluesy band. Yeah, like yeah. In the tradition of like what was happening during that time. And so when they moved from England to L.A., 
the idea was like, okay, let's connect with American audiences. We got to be here, and this is where this. And like, there's a certain amount of that I think that makes sense. But um, you know, the that John Welch guy did not work out, didn't play, and uh, they actually brought on you know Buckingham Nicks, and part of the songs that that went into that first. Fleetwood Mac album, including um, Rhiannon, were songs that were intended for the follow-up for Buckingham Nicks, but they got dropped by their label. And Dicks. So, yeah. Well, actually, and probably I mean, kicked themselves. There's probably nobody that's complaining about that on the artist side. Did you have so. you heard any of the the stuff that they did with Peter Green earlier? Like, talk about a tortured, yeah. crazy genius. Yeah. It's like a, a, a like a, a Sid, like, exactly. Yeah. Oh, Kevin, I'm, can we high five? Simpatico. Can we do it? Okay. We were just saying it at the Ouch. same time. Yes, I'm sorry. I don't know my own strength. Right. Yes, exactly. Like Peter Green, he left. I, I I recently heard an interview with him, and as he was leaving, he was leaving well, music, Spencer and was part of that band too. Was part of Fleetwood Mac. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. No, really? Before he exploded. Oh right. All right. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I. That's why I didn't know that. Yeah. Well. Okay. Thank you. All right. Anyway. I'm but done. I do think it's weird. I don't. I mean, I think that it's entirely possible that there's that whole genre of shit that was going on in the UK that was like a very small swimming pool of really talented musicians and whatever, and it was the scene was very nascent. But I also think that it's entirely possible that, you know, whatever. Sometimes Some music is finds a nut. Yeah, no, I mean, you're right about when, when you talk, like, like they, it's not that they lucked out, they knew what they were doing, and the same thing, you can extrapolate that to Pink Floyd that we were just talking about, about Sid Barrett and, and, um, and Roger Waters um, going and finding people that... Um, Met their vision. Right, exactly, sure. yeah. Totally. I just like to go back again and say how weird I think it is that there are three lead singers that do you know any bands. Shane and I have both worked in music, and Kevin's dabbled a bit. Um, does anybody know or even know of a band with three lead singers that's named after its drummer? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and three singers that write lies. That was a song I was thinking of early, lies. earlier. Oh, yeah, that's lies, a Christine McVie song. Lies, yes. Yeah. Well, I do think I like how you say that. Like yeah. it was almost like William Shatter. Tell me lies. Tell me lies. Tell, tell me, me sweet, tell me sweet little lies. Sweet little lies. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so weird. Um, Priceline, if you're listening. Anyway, yes. um, yeah, I do, but I do think it's one of those deals too, where we look at these things with through a rear view lens, and these maybe seem a little bit differently. Is there a song that? Um, well, there's definitely want to share. Well, there's one song that every member of the band is credited with writing. Which, oh yeah, you know what? Which we must have been a maelstrom of good times. Yeah. We texted about this song um, a couple of weeks ago. Um, so I couldn't normally Kevin and Ryan and I record every week, but last week um, I froggy froggy here was I had having no issues. voice at all, and so Ryan and I were were texting back and forth, and he sent me this tidbit with lots of exclamation points. And then I'd listen to it, and I'd heard it before, but I thought it was – I thought it was – Fleetwood Mac had a reunion in 2001, 2002, where they played – this was the single. It was like a VH1, Unplugged. Actually, and I have an anecdote about that after we come back out of the break um, involving Kevin and my father. Oh, um, God. <laughs> Anyhow, yeah. I don't even know where that's but going. But the, the chain is, is credited to Lindsay this Buckingham, is a, Mick Fleetwood, Christine McVie, even John McVie, Stevie, and Stevie Nicks. And it's the only one credited to all five of them. Yes. Right? Correct. This is a good song. Uh, okay. And this is called The Chain. What are right. we going to? Let's trip it.
talk about Stevie Nicks? Yeah, of course. Okay, so Stevie Nicks is is part of the reason that uh, in my youth or in more of my late adolescence uh, through 20s that I maybe had a little trouble with uh, Fleetwood Mac, and it it has more to do with her sort of gauzy, gypsy, hippie persona um, than maybe anything else. So much to say about Stevie Nicks. Well, and, you know, it was just, it seems like there's a lot of, like, kind of jangly jewelry and, and it's just not necessarily an, an oeuvre that uh didn't she twirl and twirl around in front of a camera in one of her videos and she disappeared I believe it was gypsy yes yes uh, yeah and, and a lot of filtering done in stevie nicks videos when, and, when i was a kid and this is this is something i've never told anybody in my entire life except maybe when i was five um I was really confused because she sounded like a man, but she looked like a lady. And her name was Stevie. And her name was Stevie. So I told my mom, I was like, she sounds like a man, but she looks like a lady. She's really pretty. And uh, my mom was like, no, but some ladies, not all ladies, sing really with a high voice. Yeah. And that blew my mind. Well, you you live and you learn. and Right. Defining moment of your childhood. Thank you, Ryan. The more you know. (laughs) Yes. Uh, but Stevie Nicks, you know, she she has her fans. I, I found that, that women, some women especially, that's the member of the band that they're just really super into, to the point that they're wear, they'll wear flowing dresses. And, well, uh, and she almost didn't get included. Like, apparently, like, so one of the deals was that when they, when, when, in, in one of their uh, famous bouts of bringing somebody into the band without actually auditioning them, they had decided that you know Mick Fleetwood got hung up on the the record that the two of them had put out together, and what it was she and Lindsey Buckingham. Yeah, but what he was really fired up about was Lindsey Buckingham's guitar prowess. That's his vocal prowess, Shane. Exactly, because clearly he's clearly he's working at Shakey's Pizza, but with a banjo. All right, case. Settle down. So, not the case. So, so as it turns out, he agreed to bring her on, and Lindsey Buckingham said, "Well, Stevie's coming with me. Like we're kind of a package deal. I guess at that point they hadn't just burned every bridge between the two of them personally, and they gave Christine McVie final say on this other female vocalist and." You know, of course, it turned out that, like, both of their relationships were blowing up at the same time. And so they were, like, they became, like, sort of a refuge for each other, which explains a little bit of that weird dynamic they had mm-hmm. that still exists today, which is like, how you can have two lead singers and a band that's named after the drummer and, like, all this weird shit that just doesn't, on the surface, necessarily make sense. Three lead singers. Three lead singers, yeah. yeah. There was Fourteen a Fourteen lead there. singers. Yes. Uh, Seventy-two lead singers. Well, and actually, the USC marching band on a song that's not on <laughs> this record. That's a whole <laughs> different conversation, is, my friend. Yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, but, you know, Stevie Nicks is sort of this whole entity unto herself. I love Stevie Nicks' voice. I it, No, it's pretty good. I think it's just all the stuff that, that, wait, wait, that was that the most disparaging. That, no, no, it's, it's pretty good. good. It's okay. It's good. Yeah, no, it's well, good. It is unconventional. <laughs> like, it's it's different. Like she, I thought like it was a she has man when I was a kid, but it's now that I've, I've grown up and, and discovered she is not a man. Very much a lady. She's very much a woman. Uh, it's beautiful. <laughs> Not that it wasn't beautiful when I thought she was a man. Somebody get that guy an ascot. <laughs> and a pipe. Anyway. But we should definitely uh, close things out, uh, and maybe we'll come back and, and just chat just a little bit with uh, a Stevie Nicks song. I I was thinking Gold Dust Woman, but I, th- I believe Shane had uh, another idea. Right. Well, I think we should book in this stuff with um, – Lindsey Buckingham and um, Stevie Nicks. Be- honestly, um, and I was saying this earlier, and I think I keep saying the phrase, I was saying this earlier. Um, you were just saying that earlier. That you were was saying I? The phrase. Yes. I was Did I say that earlier, earlier yeah. that I keep saying that I was saying this earlier? Yeah. So the just... Lindsey Buckingham thing. Yes, the Lindsey Buckingham thing. That that would be the um, Stevie Nicks, Lindsey Buckingham cheating um, manifesto um, manifestos, apparently. Um, 
So thunder only happens when it's raining. Players only love you when they're playing. And we can say from the Lindsay Buckingham side, you can go your own way. Go your own way. It's true. Now, yes. I, mean, I do think that one of the things that, it, like, you can't necessarily sign off this whole thing, if we, even if we play another track, you can't sign off to any of this without talking about the fact that while all of them were estranged, they were essentially writing tortured love letters to each other in the form of songs, which made up this record. So it's this really weird little, like, angry snow globe. Yeah, I don't know that we like, need to listen to another song. I think we know – where. We, I mean, we. I'd love to listen to Dreams, but I think you're right about that. I, I kind of want to leave it at that. Like, I I like that idea, this tortured snow globe. Of, of tortured snow globe. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, frankly, it would have been easier for them to just pass each other notes. But, you know, you can write songs. And, and if you've got that later. much fucking money. <laughs> it's true. Well, and it was also one of those things, too, where, where what one of the things that I read was like, they're like, yeah. What's a divorce in the in the like when you're sitting up against a really good once in a lifetime band? And that's not exactly the way they said it, but like that was the gist. Makes of sense. It's good enough. I mean, yeah. that's that's how like, every person in the world that knows the Fleetwood Mac story perceives them. That's how I do. Right. Mm. Yeah. And you just you just, I just assume that like right now, I don't know. Right now they're getting ready to tour again, and. That's got to be an exceptional craft services table. That's all I'm saying. Like, <laughs> if, they, if, that, if we have one takeaway from this evening, is the craft services table is going to have the finest deli meats <laughs> available, the finest or, or vegan cantaloupe, bear, whatever, yeah. whatever they may desire. But I, th- I think that I can I can honestly say that there is nothing that I could put my finger on that. Every single person in Fleetwood Mac would want on that craft services table, but I can say for a fact what none of them would want on that table. Uh oh. A heart full of love. Oh, see? But I think they all wanted love, Shane. No. Who really doesn't want love? Let's talk about <laughs> that uh, for an hour. Wow. We're talking about killing the room. Anyway, so um, here's the thing. <laughs> What's that? So. Do we want to tease what's coming up next? Yeah, what's I mean, coming up next? We're, we're going back around. We the actually circle. know what's coming up next. We're going. So you guys Shane, know. It's so it's what? it's my turn it's next week. Time. So every week on the show, somebody likes it. We pick, and we we've, we've talked about this at the top of the show, but but I need to to readdress this. Every week, we take a record that some people, really many like. people really really like but that the three of us don't and soon we will have guest performers but we'll t- we'll tease you on that next week um we don't know that well so my album next week is not the king of new jersey who would be bruce springsteen but the prince of new jersey clown prince the cr- crown <laughs> prince my friend and that is john bon jovi so my record next week is john bon jovi slippery when wet and this is what we'll be reviewing, gentlemen. And then, Kevin, you have the week after? Oh, yeah. Do you guys want to know? We, Of course oh, we I'd do. Like to hear. It's a record that I do not own, but I will buy. We've been talking about maybe touching on the 90s a little bit, and in light of some things that came to the surface this week or like were at least conversational this week, uh, we're going to do a uh, whole live through this. Okay. You know what? All of the shit you gave me earlier today and all last week about Bon Jovi, Slippery When Wet, right back at you, (laughs) motherfucker. Let's Uh, let's not get into a revenge loop, fellas. Uh, No, 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 no. There's never a revenge loop. No, no, it's all good. It's all – it's all – they're giant celestial rainbow hugs of uh, uh, vitriol. Of Courtney Love. Yes. (laughs) Well, I just think – Crying out loud! If the if the records that I've had to listen to are twenty one twelve and slippery and wet on Change Manhattan, like we're just gonna we're gonna just explore a little bit. And frankly, to be honest, <laughs> we're gonna exp- we're gonna explore a little bit. And and to be honest, like I wanna, I'd like to like hear some stuff that I know on a in a tangential way. But that is precisely know, how I know that record. But tangentially, I don't, but I don't, but I don't yeah. know it that well. 
Yeah. And that's kind of why I want to explore it. And better, what better way to like toss it? That's perfect. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know what? I I love that we're like I yes. Okay. I throw the Bon Jovi album out there as a joke. We all know that because it's going to be brilliant listening. You know these singles, uh, but those gonna, it's some of those songs right. are brilliant, and you, I think you guys are going to come through this just like we talked about this today with rumors. We had a long conversation before we started talking about it, and how I I initially sat down when i started listening to this my expectations were almost 100 percent different w- what i ended up with well with slippery when wet uh, i can think i can speak for most both, both my if mother you're and not myself our, ex- our expectations are exceptionally low okay <laughs> well you need to sit there and listen to the goddamn songs oh, then. No, all for right sure yeah I'll that's what it. i'm I'll, that's I'll, what i'm saying we we all know that this is it's like prison chain i'll do the time like I will do the time. Listening to Slippery Wind Wet is going to be just like prison. Yes, (laughs) you did the crime. You do the time, Newsom. All right, I'm Shane Bartell. This is Ryan Newsom. This is Kevin Newsom. Somebody likes it. We will see you guys in seven days. Bye, y'all. Word.